Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. I am uh, positive that I will cry, and I am not a good public crier. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty ugly at it, so bear with me. Um, I brought this, and it will certainly be used. My mom gave it to me at Ezra's memorial. It has been washed since then because it was thoroughly used there, but um, I'm sure I'll use that again. Uh, I know several of you who are in this room, and um, so many of you have been a significant encouragement and support to me and to our family over the last several months. Um, There are many of you I don't know, uh, because we have have just been absent over the last uh, four years, according to Eric. Um, (laughs) Uh, but for, for quite a while. Um, I've seen your faces around. Some of you I don't know. I've seen your faces, and it's that awkward moment where I know I've seen you before, and maybe I've met you, but I've forgotten your name. So if I just walk by you and kind of do one of these things, you know, and uh, nod or make some motion, uh, it's because I've forgotten your name and don't want to go through that embarrassment, but I've at times forgotten my own name uh, over the last months. And so that's where we are. In fact, um, last week I was at a, a basketball game for Solomon, our 13-year-old, and um, I was introduced to another mom uh, of, of a boy who was playing, and she said, hi, I'm so-and-so's mom, and I said, hi, I'm Solomon's mom, and I just kept going. Just, <laughs> she, didn't even, she didn't correct me. She just was like, whatever, 2023. Um, so that's where my mind is, and that's where I've been. Um, I'm anxious to get to know you all, our church family. We are. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming, but we are anxious to get to know the church family we have historically known so well and look forward to that. Let me just set the stage first by, by repeating something that Eric said earlier. I'm hesitant to spend the morning talking about where we are because I don't want the Sunday morning to be about me or about us. Um, I, I don't want it to be uh, about anything other than the God who has made us and called us to worship him. Um, and so that, that's my heart, is for us to be gathering collectively to worship the same God, and I want to point all the attention in, in that direction. So I hesitate in some ways, but in other ways, um, if I'm to be a part of the, the leadership team, which um, I, they're, maybe they're still voting on, I don't, I don't know, um, then... It's going to be helpful for me to get some of this stuff out here. Really, this is an unpaid counseling session. I get to get some, some things out. You get to hear about what we've gone through. And, and uh, my hope is uh, next week we, uh, we'll begin a new sermon series, and the hope is that I'll be preaching. And I'd, I'd like to get this out here so that it's not just sort of woven through everything I, I say for the next weeks, that the focus would be on God and his word. That's what we've prized for uh, 13 years as a church we want to look at God and who he is and what we see in his word. And so next week we're heading into the Old Testament. Um, we, we go New Testament, Old Testament, back and forth. 
Um, uh, you don't know where we're going? All right. Um, we are going into Ezra and Nehemiah, the collection of Ezra and Nehemiah together. Um, uh, and it didn't even hit me, really. I, I promise you this is not a joke. It didn't hit me um, how poignant that name was. Someone asked me, oh, I see what this is a tribute to your son. It, that was not meant to be the case at all. Here's why we're doing it. We are, we've gone through some stuff as a church, and, and we are in need of God's restoration on us. We're on the edge of, I think, some really good things as a people, and um, coming back into our land, so to speak, and um, looking forward to what God would have for us in the, in the coming weeks. And so that's why we're heading into that collection of books has nothing really to do with our Son, entirely coincidental. Um, believe that or not, uh, that's true. Um, this morning, I, I've been asked by the elders to give a piece of our story, what, what's gone on. Some of you may not know. Some of you maybe have heard but don't know the, the story. And so uh, um, I want to give a glimpse of our story over, over the last several months. This will be hard for our family um, to, to walk through uh, some of these things again. Um, it's still really fresh for us. And so um, that's what we'll do. And then I want to share where we've been over the last few months and then share kind of where we are currently. Um, here, here's the very quick version of our story, and I'll blow through this because a lot of you know this. Two summers ago, um, July, our then 17-year-old son, uh, our oldest of five sons, Ezra, was diagnosed um, and began treatments for a very um, aggressive form of leukemia. Uh, that year was a really hard year for him, going into his senior year, as you can imagine, senior year of high school, right on the heels of COVID. So really some hard years and then a hard year. Um, it was a hard year for us as a family. We've been a tight family of seven for years. Our, our uh, youngest son just had his 11th birthday. So for 11 years, we have been a tight family of seven. And during those months of treatment for Ezra, which um, uh, uh, seemed to drag on and on, um, our world was flipped upside down, something we had not experienced before. Um, Kirsten and I were separated uh, for many of those months. One of us was always at the hospital with Ezra, uh, the other here caring for our four boys here in Fort Collins. Our boys were so strong. Through all of that, um, things were really hard, challenging. It was hard to be scattered as a family. Um, I, maybe God has poked a, a few little holes in the, the idol that we've made of our family, but, but overall, I think it's been good for us to be together as a family, and so it was hard for us to be scattered. Um, God's, by God's grace, we endured. Um, I think in large part, we endured because... We were so hopeful of what was to come, healing. It just kept us moving. We were so hopeful for that. And so many people, so many of you wrapped around us, provided meals for us, provided rides for our boys to and from school and soccer and so many of the things that they had been um, involved in. Um, you all prayed for us. You all prayed for us along with literally thousands of people. All of us, I think all of us together, praying that God would bring healing to Ezra's body. That was our prayer. That was our hope. 
After four months of treatment um, in December of that year, uh, he went through a bone marrow transplant um, in order to give him a new operating system, so to speak, just to, to wipe everything fresh and and move in a good direction. Our hope, really, if I'm honest, our hope was in that transplant. We were moving toward that transplant. That was going to be the thing, and it, and it, and it went well. Um, it, it went really well. The doctors were surprised, and, and back here, the elders, your elders, our elders, and you all as a church were extremely gracious to allow me to step away whenever I needed. I didn't, I didn't have a I didn't have a thought in my mind that I had to be here. I wanted to be, but I didn't have a thought that I had to be. You all were extremely gracious to give me the time to step away, so thank you. Thank you all. Um, I'll tell you, uh, not because of of any godliness on my part (laughs) or any faithfulness on my part, but but really I I think because of the, the work of God in me over that season, during all of that, I I had no doubts. I had no fear in what God was doing. I just knew that this was moving in the right direction. I didn't have, have doubts. I was confident that God was doing something to bring healing to our son. I just knew it. I was confident. And in God's kindness, Ezra was able then to go through that bone marrow transplant, did well, came back to finish his senior year of high school. He was honored to give his senior speech. It was a beautiful a moment of just seeing some culmination of everything he was wanting um, and, and moving toward. We had a huge graduation in our uh, graduation party in our backyard. Many of you all came. Um, Ezra had so many faithful supporters show up that evening, and we feasted and, and um, just had a great time in our backyard. Um, Kirsten and I then had the uh, beautiful privilege of spending four days with Ezra. Uh, in his birth city of Chicago for a, a senior birthday trip. Just had a beautiful time with him. I mean, this was on the heels of, of what we saw as God moving and working to bring healing. And we, it was just a, a beautiful time for us to be with him. He was starting um, uh, the summer of working, uh, had a, a few jobs, moving toward his first semester of college at CSU, living with a few friends here in town, um, really looking forward to what was going to be a new, fresh start for him. Um, We were then beginning to put steps in place for us as a family to bring some repair. We just had some time together where Kirsten and I were able to to be together, to relearn what relationship looked like, and I was able to have um, time with our son's uh, one-on-one and as a group, and, and we, we just spent that time together as a family, any chance we got. We planned a vacation for June, um, a redo of the vacation we had earlier uh, the year before um, where Ezra was sick and we didn't know what was going on. We planned a redo of that, and we were apprehensively but, but excitedly looking forward to this trip, just a time of renewal, like, hey, we're going to do this again. Ezra's moving in the right direction. We're all back together. This is amazing. And we were hopeful that this nightmarish um, season, chapter in our lives was coming to a close. And in the beginning of uh, June of 2022, uh, I don't know if my dates are right, but you don't know either, so we'll just go with it. 
Um, June of, of 2022, Ezra uh, began to feel sick again. Um, it was determined after some tests that his cancer had returned. And our uh, redo vacation was canceled and, and instead replaced with a, a redo of cancer treatments and conversations about another bone marrow transplant and being separated uh, again as a family. The air was knocked out of us. We were back to the all-too-familiar rhythm of trading off back and forth between the hospital and home. Our family had yet again been scattered, and Ezra was about to go on this journey yet again um, of brutal chemotherapy treatments, um, but he was determined to beat this. Um, When given information about relapse and given information about treatments uh, that were needed, Ezra just said confidently, let's go, let's go. Was ready to start. Um, He went through July and August of of treatments, and after each round of chemo, we got the gut punch news that the treatment wasn't working. And still, whether by um, God's grace in me or my stupidity, maybe a combination of both, um, I, I was hopeful. I was, um, I was hopeful that God had a plan to bring healing to Ezra. And so after each round of, of chemo, this devastating news would come. And, and Ezra and I would sit with doctors in, in offices and hear their uh, talking back and forth about what was next. And, and we would just confidently say, okay, then what's our next option? And we would move in that direction. Just hopeful for what was, what was to come. In August... Um, just a time frame that was five months ago. In August, we were given the news that there weren't any other options available for treatment except some experimental treatments in other states, at other hospitals. And again, Ezra, Ezra's response was, let's go, let's go. During that um, process, I think Kirsten began, sorry, I didn't check this with you. Um, Kirsten began to lose a little bit of hope. I think just the reality of, of what was there. I think we all did. Um, but, but she was strong to be with our boys and, and just walk through hard conversation after hard conversation. Blow after blow. No one teaches you as a parent how to have conversations with your kids about the possibility of the death of a sibling. That's not in a book of of parenting that we've read. And so she was home with the boys so many of those days having those conversations as Ezra and I were like, let's go, what's next? Um, By this time um, in August, I was tired. Um, but still something beating around in me saying, let's keep fighting, let's keep moving toward options. And so in September, um, Ezra and I were in Denver for one of his appointments, and late that afternoon found out that a spot had opened up for him to see a doctor that would go onto this 
trial medication in Salt Lake City. So we drove home from Denver that day, packed our bags, got in the car, and drove to Salt Lake City, got there late that night in preparation for what would be the workup of all the stuff that was to come in this trial um, medication that he would get. And so that next day, early morning, we were at the hospital, and it was test after test after test all day long. Just one after another, um, doctors who were saying, yeah, we're moving in this direction. We're moving in this direction. There was, there was a, a sense of hope. We're, we're going. This is moving. We got in. This was the thing. We were checking off each appointment that day as a step closer to the path toward healing. And so we got in the car that evening to drive home. We were there for just about 24 hours and got in the car that evening to drive home. And as we're um, driving home that night with some eagerness, some anticipation of what was to come to get started as soon as possible, really didn't even want to drive home. We wanted to stay there and get going. And on the way home in, in the middle of Wyoming, if you've driven that, whenever I say in the middle of Wyoming, you know it, like, like there's just nothing There could be a point where you just drive off and no one knows about you again. We were in the middle of Wyoming, um, and Ezra began to feel sick. This was a fear of his um, often. Felt like he was spiking a fever, and so we called the doctors at Children's, and they said, do not stop at any hospital in Wyoming. If you're a doctor or nurse in Wyoming, nothing against you, but they said, do not stop there. Um, Keep driving. And so I drove Ezra to the ER in Broomfield, where he was given blood and platelets and some antibiotics, and, and we were there till about 4 a.m. And then um, we headed back the next morning. Kirsten took him um, down to his doctor's to be checked out, and, and not very long after that moment, he took a turn for the worse. Um, he had a, an infection in his, that had moved into his blood. Um, it was determined that it, that infection had then moved into his spine, eventually would get into his brain. Um, I remember um, helping him down the stairs of our house, him kind of on my back because he was just in so much pain, getting him in the car to go down that day. Um, but, but hope, you know, the hope that we're going back to Utah. Kirsten texted me from the hospital on that Monday afternoon, Eric Um, Josh and I were recording the podcast that none of you listen to. Um, Nah, just joking. Three of you do. Uh, And in the middle of this um, podcast that we record every Monday, I I get this text from Kirsten saying, I I need you here now. He's not doing well. So we we cut. I drove um, down to Denver uh, that afternoon. Kirsten told Ezra she loved him. Couldn't wait to see him again, and then she needed to get home to get the boys from school, and so she was home with the boys. She had a, just a sweet moment with Ezra in those days, and some sweet parting words with him on her way out. Um, I think one of the things I grieve, just, just to put this out there for you all, I, I don't know what my last conversation was. But 
I'm sure it was really important <laughs> about music or what we should eat or something. I, I'm sure it was um, something. That Monday evening, Eric, uh, Justin, and Josh drove down to sit, me, sit with me at the hospital um, that night. And that night, um, as we sat out around the tables outside, the words came out of my mouth that I, I never thought I would speak. And I said, I don't think he's going to make it. Tuesday um, was worse. Uh, he was in a lot of pain. Wednesday was hell. Um, hell because I had to tell the brain surgeon not to move forward with another surgery that would maybe save his life. Not prepared for that conversation. Um, Kirsten and I made the decision together, uh, collectively together, that um, her last sweet memory with Ezra that Monday before she left would be a sweet memory to hold on to. And that it would be best for her to be with the boys to stay there with them and, and absorb some of these hard things with them. That's her mom heart. And so um, Thursday morning, Josh drove Asher and Obed down to see Ezra one more time. Uh, my, my dad uh, drove my mom down to see him. The amount of courage it took for all of them to come into the room um, was, was immense. He was being kept alive on machines. It wasn't the brother, the, the grandson, the friend that they had, had known. My mom left. Josh took Obed home. But Asher refused um, to let me stay there alone and, and stayed with me um, in those final minutes. The medical staff came in, took Ezra off of all of the, the machines at uh, about 12.15 p.m. And by 12.22, Ezra was in the presence of Jesus. Um, seven of the longest weirdest, like the strangest, most confusing minutes of my life, of, of Asher's life. I'll never forget the feeling. The medical staff came back in. Many of them were there. They came back in, and they said, hey, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of time with Ezra. This was after he had, had passed. We'll give you a little bit of time with Ezra. And I hadn't prepared for that. Who prepares for that moment? And the only thing that came out of my mouth as I looked over and, and saw Ezra, I looked at Asher, and he kind of shrugged. And, and I, just, I said to the nurse that came in, I said, we believe that Ezra is with Jesus, and this body is a shell, and we don't need time with that. I don't, you can correct me there later if you need, but that, that's where we were. It was just like, I, I don't want to be in this room. and We know where he is. So we loaded everything up into a little wet red wagon and 
took it out to the car, and it's like 1236. We're sitting in the parking garage. The strangest moment of my life. To, to leave the place that had become home for us for, what, 15 months, and now to be in the car going home. I remember uh, saying to Asher, we, we uh, uh, came off of 270 onto I-25, a, a road that my car knew to go, and we don't even have a, a smart car, just knew like to, to go there. We had driven it so many times. I remember saying to Asher, because we were just silent, what in the world just happened? Just a shock. The strangest thing that I had ever experienced, just jarring. We didn't know what to do as a family. We got home. The boys were home. Kirsten was home. We cried. We, uh, we, we just didn't know what to do. We went to, um, I think we went and watched a, a soccer game that Asher's team was playing and went to dinner, and none of us were even hungry, but that felt like the thing we should do. I think we saw Cana and Bridger there, and we were just like, oh, hi, hi. We didn't know what to do. Went driving, and so late that night, we went to Target, and we did what everyone in grief does. We bought pickleball paddles, and we went and played pickleball at like 10 p.m. at Warren Park. Um, we, we had no idea what to do. Um, when I write a book about grief one day, pickleball will be chapter seven or something. Um, that, that's the story condensed. Uh, maybe for some of you that was long, but you know the story. Uh, so many of you, you walked with us um, through so much of that. There's much more I could say. Um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that for now. And, and I'd like to spend a little bit of time just telling you where we have been over the last months and also um, where we are currently. Um, where we have been is this. That evening um, of the epic pickleball event, uh, Kirsten had the amazing motherly, um, wifely uh, idea that we needed to get out of here. And so um, there's just too, too many memories around, too many memories for us. Um, Ezra's room was exactly as he left it, bed unmade, socks thrown everywhere, you know, that, that sort of thing. It was right there all the time. His car was in the cul-de-sac. His phone was buzzing with texts. We just needed to get out. And so she um, rented uh, an Airbnb at a place that none of us had gone to up in the mountains. We hadn't been there before, so there's fresh memories. We spent some time in, in a place that didn't trigger memories for us. It was good for us to be away. It was hard, for sure. We were numb, and, and we just were, and it was a, a really sweet time. Um, Justin and Carrie Nevins came up. Josh and, and Liz McGeehan came up, and, and we began the, the really strange conversations of planning a memorial for Ezra. But we were so thankful to have them with us in that. They came up for a day to, to join us. Ezra's um, memorial gathering was on Friday, October 14th. I had to look that up because I had no idea. I had to look back at dates. Um, and, and so many of you were there. Um, the, the support was, was overwhelming. Really, our hope in that evening was to celebrate Ezra's life, to, to remember his life, to remind ourselves together of the truths that we knew about God, even though we, we maybe weren't 
leaning in belief in that direction to remind ourselves of the, of the truths that we knew about God. I think God, not, not I think, God absolutely sustained us through that evening as we spoke things we knew were true but didn't really hold on to belief in those things. Just sustained us through that time together. And our prayer going into that evening was that in some way we could clearly communicate the hope that we had in God. We did. Um, even, even as we were wondering how that hope was true. That was our, that was our, our prayer. And I'll be honest, um, the day after... Do I have to keep saying I'll be honest? You guys know that I'm not lying, right? <laughs> Maybe I, I'll be transparent. How about that? Um, the day after the memorial... Um, was even harder than the day of the memorial, I think, for us. Um, a Saturday morning, I sat with my sons watching Premier League soccer, as we did so many other Saturdays um, before. Um, and one of my sons said, well, Dad, you know what today is, right? I was like, Saturday? He said, yep, it's Saturday. It's also the day where everyone else gets to move on. Um, and that's not against that's not a critique against anyone. Of course, of course, we move on, right? But that's where what we felt. I think on that Saturday, it just felt alone. It felt strange. It felt, um, yeah, really lonely. Um, and so, what we did is we tried to keep moving as a family. We tried to do as much as we could to keep moving, not to avoid grief, but but so that the grief didn't drown us. You know, like treading water, you just keep moving so you don't fall, you know, fall to the bottom. We just kept trying to, to tread. And so um, we began all of the firsts, right, the first birthdays without Ezra. Uh, Thanksgiving, first Thanksgiving without Ezra, we went to Las Vegas. Um, that's right. Uh, pickleball was already in our back pocket, so we thought Vegas is next. Uh, we had a, a, a house gifted to us in Vegas. It was good just to be away. Like, who spends Thanksgiving in Vegas? Uh, oddly enough, a lot of people spend Thanksgiving in Vegas, we found out. Um, we were just trying to find some things to do that, that weren't memories, triggers for us. We went to New York City for Christmas. A, a, a house was gifted to us there in, in Brooklyn. It was an amazing time. In fact, in the middle, uh, on, on Christmas Day, one of our boys says, that doesn't even feel like Christmas. And typically, that's a negative thing. It was beautiful. Didn't feel like Christmas. We were able just to keep moving. And so it was really good. Still a first. We were trying to stay busy with, with new memories. Um, in those first months, and, and even still some now, nothing feels good. Nothing felt good. It all felt a little bit like, oh, I guess we should, should probably do this. And so we did. Our family had been separated and scattered for 15 months, and, and everything felt new again, and it felt weird, and it just didn't feel right, but we were trying to step into those things. As I said, Kirsten and I had to try to, to learn to be married again, what that looked like to be in the same place. We were both very different people. This experience had changed us, but it had changed us alone. Right, So we were changed people, but we didn't see one another changing. And so we're, now we're back together, and it's, we're, we're changed people. So we had to learn to uh, be married again. And so every morning, we would go and get coffee together and, and really just get caught up on life. 
Um, the boys had to, to learn again what it was like to have two parents, right? They can go back to playing us off of one another, right? That kind of thing. Um, just learning what that was going to look like again. We had to figure out what to do with Ezra's room and all of his stuff. In those uh, first weeks, the, the grief was extremely heavy, all of us still in shock, yet, yet we had normal life ahead of us, right? We just, okay, well, here we go. The boys were back to school, and, and the teachers there have been extremely gracious, um, but, but just stepping back into things. That's, what, that's where we have been over the last uh, months. So just timeline again. Ezra was first diagnosed in July of 2021. He died September 29th of 2022, and now it's February of 2023. That last part's just for me to remember. It's February of 2023. That's the timeline of, of everything that has gone on. Now, where are we now? Um, what are we learning and I say learning as a present tense. There is, I don't know that there's anything we've learned. We are in, in process of learning a lot of things, and, and a lot of that is still really fresh. Let me just break this up into, here's my, here comes my like a pre- preachy kind of thing. Let me break this up into five or six um, things that we're learning um, as we are walking through some of these things currently. And I'm not saying any of these things are final resting places. I don't want anybody to, to like gasp and think, oh, they're there? Like, I don't know, I'm really concerned about them. Well, you can be concerned about us, but we're, we're in process. Um, my hope in sharing these things is um, a, a couple things. Uh, one, to, to let you know where we are, just to have some transparency about where we are. So if you glance over at us on a Sunday and you see us crying or see this face of like, frustration or confusion, you'll you, you know some of these things. Uh, another reason to share this is because um, I know a lot of you are walking through your own heartaches. And um, we've been through a, a lot as a church, and there's, there have been a lot of things that, that we have walked through uh, individually, um, corporately. And so if, if any of these things can be a help in your own heartaches, your own pains, um, then, then I'm glad. So let me, let me jump in here. Um, first, this is going to be a shocker. We are still grieving. Um, we're, we're not much further down the road than we were a month ago, two months ago. We're still, we're still grieving. Grief is still very, very present not a day goes by where I don't think about Ezra and miss him tremendously. It's not diminishing. It's not fading. Um, about once a day, I have this moment where my stomach just drops. Uh, you ever had a moment where a deer jumps in front of your car? Or you, or you almost have this head-on collision, and your stomach drops, and your breath kind of goes away, and your heart's pounding. You've ever had that moment? About once a day, that, that's the only way I can describe it. About once a day, that happens with me, as I remember that Ezra's gone. Just drops.
Almost every single day, there's something that happens that I think, oh, I should text Ezra about that. I'm like, wait a minute. That's uh, not possible. The grief is still here, still very present. That's something I think we're learning um, in this process is, and I'll remind us as a church, uh, grief continues. Maybe for a lifetime. It, it hangs on. It, it continues. There are, um, there are people sitting around you right now who are wrestling with grief in some really deep ways. And grief, it, it may be grief that you could recall if you thought long and hard about it. Oh, that's right. That person's mom passed away last year. That, that, that person's dad died a few years ago, and they're still working through that. If you, if you tried to recall, you probably could. But it shifts away for a lot of us, right? We're not intimately involved. We so move on, so to speak. Um, that's, that's normal. But the person next to you um, is still grieving. Now, that grief may be masked by other things that are going on in life, but they are still grieving. We are still grieving deeply. Every Sunday when I walk in here, and, um, and, and see the keyboard. For example, it hits me that Ezra won't be playing that every single Sunday. That may be a lifelong uh, reminder. Um, we're in the same house that we've been in. The boys are at the same school. There, there are constant reminders uh, of the things that we are walking through. Grief lasts for all of us, it lasts in different ways. We're, we're living in a world full of brokenness in a way uh, that, that things were not meant to be, and those things hang on. They, those griefs hang on. So that's first, we're still grieving. Second, um, we've been reading quite a few books, listening to podcasts, trying to wrap our, our brains around what's going on, um, what God is up to, um, where, where our own hearts are and, and something we're learning, and, and I would commend that, this to us as a, as a church family, um, is this, miracles, especially the miracle of healing, I'll just say it that way, healing um, is always a temporary solution. What I mean is this, we were praying that, that God would heal Ezra, that he would do this miracle. And had God done what we were praying he would do, it would have been a temporary solution because Ezra would have died at some point, just like you would have died. But every time there is healing, we, we're trying to remember that's a temporary solution to what God is up to. I thought about that on, on Wednesday evening. We gather here about once every uh, two or three months for a prayer of, for healing. If you haven't come to that, we would invite, I'd invite you to come to that. It's a beautiful time to just pray over one another, pray for the things that are going on in the church, pray that God would healed, heal. Uh, we, we prayed for healing for, for several who were with us, healing for, for, from physical, mental, emotional pain. And it hit me on Wednesday evening that Ezra, just a few months back, sat in that circle. And we labored in prayer over him. And we cried tears over him. In faith, we gathered together as a people to pray that God would heal. 
And had God done that, that would have been temporary. It's a helpful for a reminder for us, but I'll be honest, that it's not a comfort, really. Um, it's not a comfort to the loss we feel. We, we still desperately want Ezra back. Healing is a temporary solution. The ultimate solution will be on that day when our king returns to restore all things. He'll make all things new. Third, um, uh, third thing we're learning, um, we're, we've been learning a lot about prayer and what God has shown um, who God has shown himself to be in our experiences. Um, it, it's not that God has been silent necessarily, although at times we feel that. It's not that he's been silent necessary, uh, necessarily, but rather we're, we're having to relearn who God is in the wake of our disappointment. Does that, does that make sense? I'll say that again. It's not that God has been silent necessarily, but we're having to relearn who God is in the wake of the disappointment that we have Experience the grief that we've experienced. All of the things we have believed wrongly about God have been dismantled, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. We didn't want it. We didn't ask for it, but, but it's a good thing that those things that we believed wrongly have been dismantled, and we're having to relearn who God truly is. For instance, if that doesn't make sense, for instance, um, healing isn't the only way for God to be honored. But I think in our minds, we thought, oh, if he would just heal, that would be so honoring to him. That's not the only way he is honored. He doesn't owe us healing. That's another thing that we've been, like, it's not owed to us. We can pray for that, but it's not owed to us. So it's good for us to dismantle what our thoughts are about God if they're incorrect so that we can bring those back. Those things are not things we would have have chosen, but the dismantling of our wrong thinking about God so that we can relearn who God truly is, is absolutely a good thing. It's good for us. I've said this over the last few months. I'll say it here um, because I don't think I've said this to everybody. I don't think, and I don't know if I'm just saying this so that you think, oh, okay, he can come back. Um, I don't think we're questioning God. Uh, We're not questioning God. Um, who God is. We know that he's good. Uh, We may have some questions about the definition of good, but we know that he is good. We we know that he's over all things. We're, We're not questioning that at all. We're not questioning God, but we absolutely have questions for him. Is that that distinction make sense? We're not questioning his character, but we absolutely have questions uh, uh, for him. How is, how is Ezra dying good? Right? How, ha, how are you over all things, and yet this is something that happened in the process? And, and that questioning, uh, or, or those asking questions of, of God, um, we find ourselves in good company, don't we? The Psalms are littered with those kinds of questions. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? I mean, that's a that's a question. How long will you forget me forever? Psalm 13. We're in good company with Job. Job has been a friend of mine for over a year, reading and rereading Job and, and seeing how he processed aloud in front of, the, of, of an audience for centuries 
Um, and, and we haven't suffered the way that Job has uh, suffered, but he asks questions. Nearly the entire third chapter of Job is Job asking, this right after all this stuff blows up in his face, Job asking questions, the, the question of God, why? Why this? Why this? In fact, the, the question that Job seems to ask most in, in that book is the question why nearly 20 times, over 20 times in the book of Job, he asks the question, why? It's a question we find ourselves asking, but a question that we know doesn't have to be answered and may never be answered. Our experience has caused us to search um, God's word harder, to push in. By God's grace, that's what it's caused us to do, to to push in, to see who God really is. Um, Fourth, we're also learning the hard lesson that God sometimes answers our prayers with the answer, no. Um, he doesn't always bring healing. He sometimes says no. He sometimes says not yet. And like I've said before, he will one day uh, bring healing, ultimate healing. This is Ezra will be healed. Um, he will be restored. And what we're learning in that is this: that the answer no is worth grieving. It's worth, that, that answer of no is worth grieve, grieving. It's not just no, uh, shove it down, move, move along. It's worth grieving that answer because, that, because that's the will of God doesn't mean that we then run and, and jump and, and leap and celebrate. God answered, no, so we celebrate. It, it's worth grieving. It doesn't mean that we hate God. It doesn't mean that we don't trust God. It, it means that we're grieving the loss we face in God's answer of no. And transparently, and also honestly, <laughs> um, we don't like God's answer. And we've, we're, we're crushed by it. We don't like the way that God has responded to our prayers. It's maddening to us. In fact, the, uh, the first few weeks after Ezra's passing, that was my, my emotion. It was just anger. I'm not a violent person, but I, there are times when I wanted to punch a wall. Not, not because of God. I, I don't feel like, by God's grace, I was angry at God. I was just angry at cancer and, and Ezra walking through 14 months of, of hell for this end angry. So we're learning what it means to grieve God's answer of no. I'd commend that to you. What prayers have you offered up to God where you have seen very clearly that the answer is no and that's not what you were wanting? Don't don't shove that aside and just think, well, I guess I have to move on. Grieve it. It's painful. Fifth, we're learning to understand that God is still at work. We do know that. We, we know that God is at work still. Um, we, we don't doubt God's work at all. Um, we've had total strangers approach us all over Fort Collins uh, saying, hey, we, the impact that Ezra had on this community is, is far-reaching. And while that, that brings a little bit of like warm 
heart, I'm not sure that it brings the, the, the kind of comfort we're, we're hoping for. We've had coffee dates where people have um, uh, interrupted, and, and if that's been you, I don't mean interrupted like shame on you, I just mean like you, you've inserted in, and that's okay, um, to tell us how worshipful Ezra's memorial was and how much it meant to them or their family member or someone that they brought with them. So, so listen, I, I say this sincerely, we know that God is at work We absolutely know that. We know that God is at work. We believe it. We don't doubt that at all. However, in in full transparency, if given the option to have our son back, if given the option to have our brother back, our friend back, we would take that instead of the work that God is doing. Um, that maybe is more, that, that was maybe, uh, should have been put after Brock's uh, confession. Um, but uh, there it is. Um, we know that one day we'll be able to look back on these moments and see small glimpses of what God is doing Though um, we may never see the answers in their entirety, we absolutely know that God is at work. We do. We know that. We don't doubt that for a second. We just have no idea what he's doing and why. That's where we are. Now, um, I know that you could come and tell us, like, hey, here's what he's done, and, and, and we're glad for that. We really are. We, we don't Shove that off at all. We're, we're extremely glad for that. In this moment, for us, we know God's at work. We don't know what he's doing, and we're not sure that it brings the comfort that we're hoping for at this point. Um, sixth, um, and finally, um, something that we are reminding our hearts of um, over and over is this truth. It is a truth. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And what what I mean by that, uh, there's no punishment for those who are Christ's. What we have experienced as a family is not punishment. We need to hear that, church. What Jay and the Lamastras have walked through is not punishment. What Josh has walked through is not punishment. What Katie has walked through is not punishment. What Ross has walked through is not punishment. How long do I need to keep going? We have walked through some stuff as a church, and it's not punishment. For those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. What we've walked through as a church, though, is really confusing, isn't it? I don't know why God has chosen to afflict us, uh, but I do know this, that those who are Christ's, bought by his blood, the blood that was shed in, in his taking our punishment, for those who are in Christ, there is no punishment. What we are experiencing is a light and momentary affliction preparing us 
for the unbelievable weight of glory that will be revealed when Jesus returns to restore all things. We're being prepared. And with each trial and tragedy that occurs, we stand firm. I want us to hear this. With each trial and tragedy that we face as a church, we stand firm, fixing our eyes on Jesus. As we do that, we are shoving the enemy back. We're saying, you don't win. That that Christ is preparing us for something that's coming. This isn't something that you get to win in. And, and we rest in that. Let me finish um, here with some thanks um, and then maybe some uh, practical instruction for, for you all. Um, first, we're extremely thankful for you, our church family. I said that in the beginning. I'll say it again. Um, I was telling someone this past week, I, I met with a, another a guy who used to be a pastor. He's not, not a pastor um, anymore um, and, and faced some um, some hardship at the church he was at. He asked me about how our experience had gone here with some of the, the hard things that we had walked through. And I told him this, I'll tell you all this as well. Um, I cannot think of anything that I would have wanted that our church family did not provide for us in the last 15 months. I asked Kirsten that to verify. She said, I can't think of anything either. I cannot think of one thing that we have thought or said, "Ah, I wish the church would have done this. I wish our church family would. You all have been unbelievably kind and gracious and backed off where that's needed and pressed in where that's needed. You've been unbelievably kind. And here's what it's done for us. It's repaired a lot of past hurts that we have had um, even here in the church. It's, it's pulled us back in. It's been a, a really beautiful thing for us, and so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, unfortunately, we have, as a church, learned what it looks like to care for those who are in suffering, right? We were with the Nevins the other night, and they reminded us we've just had a lot of practice now, unfortunately. But you all are doing unbelievable work at caring for those who are walking through hard things. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, God's at, at work in the church family. A couple instructions, then I'll be finished. Um, first, um, we want to get to know you all. We really do. There's so many. I, I lean over to Kirsten uh, every Sunday, and she says, is that person new? And I, I kind of say, yeah, your guess is as good as mine, right? Maybe they've been coming for months. Maybe it's days. I, I have no idea. So we want to get to know you all as a church. Um, we've been out of it for several months um, and, and we want to get to know you. And, and so when we have the emotional energy, um, we will try to introduce ourselves to you. Um, and, and that probably won't uh, be the case, but, but you can come find us. Um, and, and we'd love to at least hear your name um, and, and get to know the people who have called this uh, their church home. Um, we'd love to, to, to engage again and step back in where we are able and, and use the gifts that, that God has given us and be recipients of it as well. But it's going to take us time. And so we just ask for some grace, um, and, and, and we know you'll give it. So um, we're, we're going to go slowly. Secondly, um, I received this instruction from someone else who's walked through the, this very same thing, losing a, 
um, uh, an, an older son like this, um, and he reminded me to, to tell you all this. Don't hesitate to mention Ezra to us. Um, you're not going to make us sad. We already are. So, so don't hesitate if there's a story that comes up or a memory that comes up or if, if you're missing Ezra. We don't, we don't want his name to be the name that we don't speak. We, we want to, to hear from you all and know that, the, that this is a place where we can talk about that. Don't, don't be afraid um, to say something stupid because you will. Um, I will, like that, that's what we do. We don't know how to do this stuff, but we want to hear from you. So there's that instruction. And then third, um, th- there is no way that we, this is it, this is it. Um, there's no way we could have walked through this without the supernatural strength of God on us. There's, I, don't know, I don't know how people walk through hard things without the presence of God. I have no idea. Um, that's been pushed into us. Where there's no way we could have done that without the strength of God and also uh, the church, you all around us. And so here's my encouragement to you. If you are right now, um, have strayed away from God, pulled away from God intentionally, um, not desired to be near him at all. Um, maybe someone dragged you here today. Maybe you wandered in. Maybe you've just sort of quietly not told anybody. People know you, but they don't know this about you. You've just quietly um, shied away from, from God. Please hear this. Push in toward him. You need him. Right? You, you, you need him. You need his nearness. You need the nearness of Christ. Christ who, who came to this earth and faced hurts and faced loss. Listen, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have that to push in and push in with others around you, with the church family. So if you are on the, the edge, if you haven't uh, uh, pushed in and, and been with other people, if you shy away from, from all of this, if after communion you turn and walk out quickly to get to your car so you don't have to talk to anybody, can I just invite you to, to be a part? You need the church family too. We, we need one another in all of this. So that's that. I told Eric that I had no great transition from that into celebrating communion, but, but I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, we have a great high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, yet he, um, and he faced all sorts of temptations, yet he did that without sin, and it's the fact that he did it without sin that he was able to take on our punishment and give us life. So I don't want, as I look out and see everybody sniffling and wiping their eyes and, and all that, I don't want us to just end on a, well, like, well, that was a bummer, and there's no football on today. I guess that's a highlight. Um, uh, I don't want us to walk out of here thinking, well, that was really gloom, uh, uh, gloomy. Uh, listen, we have a great high priest who's able to sympathize with us. So when we walk through dark valleys like this, we're able to lean into Jesus, the one who gave his life so that we could have life. That's worth celebrating. We're going uh, to sing a song here in a minute. The refrain is, make my heart believe, because 
Sometimes we need that. God, would you help my heart to believe that? Because I don't right now. Can I pray for Thank you um, for listening there. Again, that was my, my uh, counseling session out loud in front of you. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, next week, uh, we're back into God's word um, in, in full, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Can I pray? And then we'll continue. Let's pray. God, um, thank you for that, for, for uh, giving me um, the ability to stand up here and communicate hopefully clearly. Maybe I didn't. Um, you gave me that ability, so I just, uh, I'm thankful. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for giving um, me and my family endurance through these last months. I pray that you would continue to give us endurance. Um, God, I'm thankful for the fact that you do have a plan. And while we don't know what that plan is all the time, you have a plan in place to redeem a people of which we are a part. We're thankful that you, Jesus, are our great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because you um, have been tempted like we are yet without sin. Thankful for the church body, the church family. I'm thankful that you have given us this family. I'm thankful for your care for us in that, my family in that. God, we are um, a people bought with the blood of Jesus, given the gift of the church. So we're thankful. And God, now as we celebrate what has already been done, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I pray that our hearts would be warmed toward him, that our affections would be moving toward him. If there are people in the room who have strayed, who have drifted, who have walked away, God, I pray that you would draw them back. Even today, would you do a work? We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.